Thank you for choosing to listen to episode number 31 of Kansas City Food Memories, where we take on a stroll down memory lane and reminisce about the old restaurants, people, and places that we missed from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Please remember this is a taped presentation of a live show, so do not call in or text in when prompted. But if you do want to catch us live, we're on every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time at on 98.1 FM, Kansas City. Thank you. Sit back and enjoy. Good morning. This is Robert Densing, and thank you for tuning in today to Kansas City Food Memories. We are live every Saturday at 10 a.m. to take us all on a stroll down memory lane and talk about the good old days. We share stories about our favorite restaurants, food, people, and places from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Now, this show is made possible because of your support of Best Regards Bakery and Cafe. My wife and I absolutely love Kansas City, and we view this show as an extension of our bakery and restaurant. This is who we are. I decided to call this initially Kansas City Food Memories, as food is what really binds us all together as a wonderful community. However, the show has become about much more than just food. It's also about the people, the places, and the stories that help define Kansas City. If you've not yet done so, today will be a good time to put this phone number into your phone. So let's go ahead and set it up. The phone number is 913-586-7798. I always read that fast just for Toby Tobin. The number is 913-586-7798. Plug that into your phone, put it under KMBZ or Can't Save Food Memories. That's the station for that's the phone number for this station. And that also works for texts. So when we get into a discussion and we get a fact wrong or we don't know the answer, feel free to text in. We had quite a few questions answered within a minute last week, which is really interesting. So you can send that into the text line, and that'll help us out a lot. Now, today's guest falls under the category of interesting people. Dwayne's a modern-day Michelangelo. He's the executive director of a wonderful charity that we may have time to talk about. He's also been a barbecue caterer and has spent many years as a health and safety inspector. So he's got a wide-ranging background, but he knows how to tell a good story. And I think part of one of the, I'm hoping he'll share a few stories. He also did a lot of catering out at Knuckleheads, which uh, Knucklehead Saloon. So he's uh, met some very interesting people out there. Dwayne, welcome to the show. Yeah, this will be interesting. Okay, so before we start, I, I usually don't talk to my guests before the show, you know, because yeah. it's just, it's, it's funny. So uh, Roger the Plumber, Roger Pugeot was on my show, um, I think, three weeks ago. Oh, my goodness. And he called me on Friday. He goes, hey, I'm about five minutes out. Do you want me to stop into the bakery so we can talk? I said, no. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, I don't want to talk to you until the show. He goes, so it's an hour show, right? And I go, yes. And he said, no commercials. I said, that's correct. So you just want to wing it. I said, well, yeah. I said, how do you do it with Mike Murphy? He goes, well, we never talked about it. I said, well, if, if Mike Murphy did it that way, then that's the way I'm going to do it. Hey, man, if you if you can uh, emulate Mike Murphy in oh. any way, shape, or form, that's uh, that's the way to do it. No, uh, <laughs> when it comes to uh, radio of any kind, Toby Tobin and Mike Murphy were my two heroes. Oh, without a question. I've uh, listened to them both as long as I can remember. I remember uh, when Mike Murphy relaunched the uh, Kansas City uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade, uh, he... Uh, he he went downtown with a uh, goat dyed green <laughs> green hair color and and walked from one pub to another downtown. You know there are so many pictures of a parade that small that yeah. just went across the street with maybe a dozen people. Yeah, and I've seen so many pictures from different angles. It was a big event. Oh, absolutely. I, you know Mur- Murphy was he was Kansas City radio you know deity. 
Oh, <laughs> without doubt. You know, and I've I've talked about him quite often. I've said anybody who's been on on his show more than once. Yeah. Um, that which meant that they 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 passed the Mike Murphy test. I said they're welcome on my show. Absolutely. And uh, the, I made the joke last week. I said, well, with the exception of aliens, I said I'm not going to talk about aliens. <laughs> then I said, well, wait a minute. I wait said, let me back not? up one more time. I said Congress was having hearings. Sure. I said if Congress finally admits that they that yes there was something at Roswell and they released the proof that there were aliens at Roswell, I will dedicate an entire. Um, show to space aliens. Hey, it's a timely topic right yeah. now. Why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, it, what's funny Earth, is Earth I was ahead of his time. Oh, I got within a minute. I got a text from a listener in uh, Springfield, Missouri. Okay, said that would be a great idea. So Love it. Love so it. So I'll do that. So um, before we um, started the show, we we started a conversation about Marilyn May. Yes. And so that um, Marilyn May, uh, she called into the show and talked for half an hour. <laughs> And um, at the at the end, when I had to cut her off because my show was coming to an end, I I made her an offer. I said I said Marilyn, I said next time you're in Kansas City, I said I'll save you a seat and a microphone. You could tell stories for an entire hour. That's lovely. And then, well, that's basically what she said. She goes, well, I don't I don't have any concerts planned in Kansas City, but you know I should look into that because it's been too long. Well, a listener last week uh, sent a, a text in saying that Marilyn May is coming to Kansas City in October. I think wow. like 26th, 27th for two days at the Folly. Oh, my. Which is, I mean, which is going to be fantastic. I have to get my tickets. Yeah, well, as of last week, um, it, the tickets weren't on sale yet. But um, well, somebody said it wasn't on sale. But then this week I checked, and some of the seats down the main floor are like $380 or something. But Really? Wow. I didn't check the upper deck. I'm more of an upper deck back row yeah. kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. So I got to read this. Uh, somebody sent me a message. I got to read this, um, which is going to be funny. So it says, hi, Robert. I love your show. Thank you. I thought you would like this story. After my wife and I listened to your show mentioning Marilyn May, she found, um, she found that she was appearing at Lake Okoboji, Iowa. She arranged a trip as a Father's Day gift. Her show was fantastic. She's played there since 1956. Wow. But um, in the audience was a father-daughter family who was at her first show in 1956 as it was announced that this would be her final show there. They wanted to attend. And uh, Dwayne, I'm going to show you this picture. Do you recognize who that father and daughter is from Omaha, Nebraska? That's Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Oh my War- goodness! Yeah, Warren Buffett went to that concert. The Oracle of Omaha. Yeah. yeah. And what was what was really amazing about that when uh, Marilyn uh, she talked about her concert because when she called in the day before is when she did her debut concert at Carnegie Hall. Oh wow. And she said, she goes, yeah, it was real interesting. And I asked her about streaming, and she said, no, they will never stream a show. Okay. If you want to catch anything at Carnegie Hall, you have to to pay and buy a ticket. And she said the front row was filled with celebrities. And she goes, there is this guy. I don't know if you know who you ever heard of him. She goes, it was Warren Buffett. Oh, my. And she said, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure she understood who Warren Buffett was. She just said she heard that some guy flew in just to go to her concert then. Wow. <laughs> uh, isn't that, isn't that yeah, something? That's, that's strong, man. That is really strong. So uh, you, you said you have met Marilyn May? A couple of times, yeah. I've met Marilyn at a couple of uh, charity events, and uh, just a darling lady. Um, absolutely um, uh, you know, sweet, as, sweet as she can be. And uh, it's really, it, it, you know, you meet somebody of that stature, and, I mean, you know, you think about it, she was Johnny Carson's favorite singer. Yep, so tell, 27 times. Yeah, so that's got to tell you something right there. And, uh, and she is a fabulous performer. Um, Great show, great singer, but probably even a better person. Yeah. 
Well, I can believe I've heard great stories. If you have a chance, listeners, if you have any interest at all in uh, Marilyn May, go back and listen to that episode because she told a story about being on Johnny Carson. That was a perspective I've never heard. Really? And um, also about uh, mentoring. Okay. About yeah. how she mentors singers. Well, you know, I love that. And it's one of the things that I've seen in a lot of um, great artists that they, uh, you know, try to bring along the younger singers and, and younger artists. You know, Tony Bennett, who just recently passed, mm-hmm. was uh, famous for that. And, and there have been a lot of them. And, and I, I just, I really have a great deal of respect for people who do that. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll share the story about mentoring because it, it meant a lot to me in what I do in my business, mm-hmm. and which it sounds a little bit odd. But she said, because I'd read this in the New York Times article and and I wanted her to expand on it. And she said that when she mentors singers, she tells them, she insists that they, the singers sing with their eyes open. Interesting. And she said, because when you sing with your eyes closed, you're singing for yourself. She said you need to sing with your eyes open because you're singing for the people and your audience. Interesting. And then um, she said one student that was having a hard time with that when they were leaving, she saw a guest. She said, Thank, I'm glad you enjoyed the concert. And she stopped her and says, no, you don't know if he enjoyed the concert. You should thank him for attending your concert. To say, to assume that they enjoyed your concert is presumptuous and not in your place. Wow. You know, coming from a star like her. And what the reason it hit home to me is that there are so many trendy restaurants with rock star chefs that stay in the kitchen yep. and never go out and meet the customers. Yeah. Those are the singers that sing with their eyes closed. Interesting. That's a great analogy. You know, and I think that because what you notice that the restaurants that, because we talk about all kinds of restaurants from, gosh, 50s, 60s on, on up, that, about restaurants that we miss. Oh, yeah. And the common thread is that is that those were all restaurants where the chefs and the cooks and the owners cooked with their eyes open, meaning that they were out there talking with the customers. Yeah, no, that's true. And and I think about the restaurants that I frequent right now, I, pretty much all of them are ones that do that, where the, yeah. where, where the owner or the chef is, is out there mingling with the, uh, yeah. with the diners from time to time. Yeah, you know, and I'll be honest, you know, um, the chefs, and I understand that they view what they do as an art, and it's more important, and if they yeah. insist that the dish will be prepared the way they intended, mm-hmm. they will not exclude an ingredient Right. Or add an ingredient to it. It's like, no, you take the dish. I, I just really haven't. I'm sure their food is great. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in going. Right. Because, you know, I mean, just it's, yeah, there's some people that probably fake allergies so they get food their own <laughs> way. But, but you know what? You're paying them. You know, yeah. they're paying us to present their food to them. Yeah. You know, that's something that I always thought about when I was uh, doing catering as well is, is that, uh, you know, they're honoring me by buying my food. You know, I'm not. I'm. I'm not doing them a favor. They're doing me a favor. Yep. yep. Yeah. All right. So, Dwayne. So, uh, you grew up in Kansas City, didn't you? Yeah, actually, um, I grew up in East Kansas City. Uh, uh, graduated from Van Horn High School, and and um, so spent most of my time in the East uh, part of Kansas City and Independence, Raytown area uh, when I was younger. But uh, of course, live uh, on the Johnson County side now. So yeah. But uh, yeah, that's. Kansas City's been my home my entire life. I've I've never had a, a residence, permanent residence outside of the Kansas City metro area. Although I've traveled all over the place. Yeah. So. All right. Well, before we get to current stories like knucklehead stuff like that, what's a restaurant that you really miss? Wow. You know, the you know, one that had an impact on you. You know, and there there are so many of them, of course. But one of the ones that, and, and this may sound kind of funny, but um, I miss New York Deli on Troost. Oh no! I mean, there's. It, your memories and what you treasure growing up isn't based on what's, you know, white linens and things like that. No, you know, I just, 
having a good Jewish deli in town really is it really matters. And unfortunately, right now Kansas City's kind of uh, dry in that area. But yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, that that was really one of my absolute favorite places to go. And there was uh, Dinkeldorf's on the Plaza. Of course, was pretty good too. Sure. I worked on the Plaza when I was in in college at UMKC, and and uh, so I used to go there and just a good deli. I, I just love a good deli. Yeah. Well, so on New York Bakery and Deli, um, the son of the last owners is a listener of the show, but he's still in the military. Okay. So I, I, I'm not sure if it's the guard or where he, where he is serving somewhere in um, rural Kansas was the last posting, but he called in and texted in. So when he is able to come to Kansas City on the weekend, he's going to bring his parents in. Oh, wow. So so we'll be able to hear some stories and things like now that. Now, that and, is worth a listen right there. Oh, yeah. There. Well, well I'm glad I finally found something that's worth <laughs> you listening to, Dwayne. No, no, no. Okay, no, I'll, no. I'll, I'll write that down. I finally crossed that threshold <laughs> at the 18-minute mark. But No, I yeah. I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I would love to hear their stories. I, I just, that was, that was a place that was really important to me when I was younger, especially when I was going to UMKC because it was close and, and it was something that I, uh, you know, I, I had I was working like three jobs at the time, yeah. paying my way through school, and uh, um, it, it, you know it was a place to drop in, get a really really good sandwich and you know chips or whatever. It was it, it, it they also had something they had Doctor Brown's cream soda. I okay, know, I don't know if you remember Doctor Brown's sodas, mm-hmm. but they had Doctor Brown's cream soda, and I, I've been a cream soda fan since my grandpa used to take me to A's games uh, back in the '60s, and we go to municipal. Uh, stadium and and he hated traffic and so you know he'd have his car parked in some guy's yard <laughs> which is what you did back <laughs> then and uh we'd walk down the hill to arthur bryant's and wait out the traffic and we'd split a brisket sandwich and uh um i'd have a cream soda and i i you know i've been a fan of cream soda ever since i was a little kid doing that oh have you been able to find it now yeah you can get it in places you know that um uh, Lost Trails makes a cream soda. Okay. Well, I got, um, have you been to the place down the river market yet? W- which place is Okay, that? so um, I got to tell this story real quick. So I love root. I used my thing when I was a little kid was root beer and root beer floats. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, but I, I refuse to eat or drink anything with corn syrup. So I've just given that up because yeah. you can't get root beer without it. But there's a fountain place that a soda fountain place down in the in the river market, the farmer's market, kind of on the southwest corner. Okay. All right. And so um, the local pig. Right, oh, right, local right, yeah, right, yeah. right across from that. Okay, so it's yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. Anyway, so I went in there. Somebody told me you got to go there for a root beer float because there's a ice cream place open right next door. It's kind of part of it. So guess how many root beers they have on their shelf at any given time? Eighty-five. Eighty-five root beers. And he said he has hundred and sixty that he rotates in and out. So I said, this, I said to him, wow. I joked, and I said, how in the world am I supposed to pick which root beer for my root beer float? And he goes, well, you could pick the one that's on tap. So they actually have root beer on tap. Uh, okay, you've you sold and me. That i got to go down and And do i got to tell you, that was, I haven't had one in probably 30 years. Oh, my goodness. And it was, I was transported to when I was a little kid. On the way, we stopped at a um, root beer, uh, A&W root beer mm-hmm. in Mulvane, Kansas. Yep. And it was just back then, it was legit. And that was, I missed that. Yeah, for sure. I my my dad. This okay. I want you to take this picture. You see how big I am. I'm six foot four, and I weigh about two hundred and fifty. So I'm I'm not a little guy. Um, but uh, and I was I, even for as a kid, I was a pretty big kid. Uh, and my brother and sister, you know, my, my parents are were large people, and so we had, we were a pretty big family. Um, my dad had an Austin Healy Bug Eye Sprite, 
I don't know if you've ever seen one of those, but they're about the size of an athletic shoe. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he would pile us in there. It was a two-seat car, but you accessed the, the trunk, or what they called the boot in, in England, uh, behind the seats. You fold the seats forward and get in there. So my sister and I would sit there with our legs back into the trunk, facing backward, and my brother would sit in my mom's lap, and my dad would take us to A&W Root Beer in, in this little car <laughs> and we would get out of that thing and look like a clown car. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned Arthur Brands a while ago. So when I have food professionals on, yeah, um, I'd like to ask them what was the first restaurant that influenced them that direction. So with um, uh, you know Rod Gray, yeah, from Bell and Vinny. So he yeah. was here. I asked him, and what was the first barbecue place that had an impact on him? And it was Hayward's. Okay. And which was the same one for me. And he said that, and he, I think he was going to Emporia State the first time he had that. Okay. And he said he went in there. He goes, it wasn't just that the food was fantastic, but it wasn't really a dive. It was kind of a restaurant. But Hayward Spears sat out front and talked to everybody. Yeah. And he said that had just a huge impact on him. Yeah, I remember Hayward sitting out talking to people. That was great. Yeah. Uh, the first barbecue I had, of course, was was Brian's. But uh, but yeah, I always loved Hayward's. And I the reason I ask you is that you did catering, but you did mostly barbecue, if I remember right. Correct. Yes. Okay. So what was what really influenced you and pushed you towards your interest and passion for barbecue? Um, that's interesting. I you know, I remember when I was young, my dad liked to grill. He was he was kind of the consummate. Um, uh, grill meister, you know, uh, of course, a little cheap charbroil barbecue grill that he got at Kmart or something, I'm sure. But, um, uh, you know, he, he kind of influenced me to uh, th- th- that, that grilling was something I wanted to get into. I guess barbecue, I really got into barbecue as, as much as anything when I started um, not just um, Bryant's, but then started Gates and, and, uh, you know some of the others I I started going to, and I just really loved the flavors. I loved the the depth and the nuance of of different things, and I I started experimenting with that as as to you know what woods tasted like what, and mm-hmm. and you know it, there it's subtle. It's all very subtle. I mean you you have a rack of ribs that's cooked with applewood versus a rack of ribs that's cooked with hickory or whatever. You can taste a little subtle difference. It's not huge, but it's something that where I just started really getting into um, those subtleties, and and decided to start playing with that. And that's that's kind of what got me interested. And so I uh, I thought, well, how can I really get to know barbecue really well? And what I found was I have a neighbor, uh, Artie Davis, and Artie Davis was one of the um, founders of the. Do you still Bar- know him? Huh? Do you, uh, do you still him well? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I want to get him on my show, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No problem. Right. Um, Art, Artie is one of the sweetest guys you'll ever meet, and he was one of the founders of the Kansas City Barbecue Society. And, of course, Kansas City Barbecue Society um, sets the rules, and, and Artie helped write the rules for mm-hmm. barbecue competition judging. And uh, Artie still gives the um, oath to barbecue judges at the American Royal. Right. You know? Uh, un, under the uh, pseudonym uh, Remus Powers, right? PhD. He did it when I when I was sworn in. Yeah. So, um, so Artie and I were talking one day, and and uh, he said, "Well, you should become a certified barbecue judge." And he said, "If you really want to know barbecue, become a certified barbecue judge. Go judge some competitions yep. and taste these different people's food who know what they're doing." And I said, "You know, that's a great idea because 
that's the best way, honestly, to attend a, um, a barbecue competition is to be a judge because you don't have to cook and you do get to eat really, really well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, so I did. And I, I went through the CBJ course and and I, you've been through it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what it's like anyway. So uh, and then he invited me to do the um, um, American Royal Open one year. And um, so I came down and did the American Royal Open. Um, back when it was still down at the American Royal, yeah, yeah, <laughs> down in the bottoms, and um, I, st- I just started tasting all these things, and I just started, I, I just be- became a passion for me to to go do these and try to figure out, you know, and try to deconstruct what they were doing. Well, you know, I think the Kansas City Barbecue Society and their training program for judges is a big reason why our, the barbecue scene in Kansas City is so amazing. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Because I, there's no other food niche that exists that gets that much background and training and sampling of different ways of doing foods. No, right. That's right. And, and of course, now they're worldwide and, and um, have competitions all over the world. Yeah. And then uh, later on, back in the early 2000s, I became friends with uh, Rabbi Mendel Siegel. Yeah. And, um, and for the kosher barbecue contest. Who, who, I've seen who, that, yeah. Yeah, who launched the kosher barbecue yeah. contest. And um, he asked me to come and judge. Yeah. And I judged that for uh, four or five years. And um, he he asked, he wanted to enter a um, uh, KCBS um, competition up in Liberty. It was 4th of July in Liberty. It's been several years ago. And um, <laughs> he said, you know, I'm kosher. And if you know KCBS rules, you have a pork butt and pork ribs. Right. And then you have brisket and chicken. Right. And he said, I can touch the brisket and chicken, but I can't touch the other. Yeah. He said, would you come up and do those two entries for me and I'll do the other two and we'll do it as a tag team. I said, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. sure. Absolutely. Let's do that. So we did, and, we, and I'm I'm telling you, it it got CNN brought a team. Oh, that's <laughs> and interviewed. Yeah, because it was so unique, and uh, we had a we we took um, uh, duct tape and we put a duct tape line down the middle of the tent. Yeah, and we had like kosher side and tree oh, side. Yeah, know? I love that. And uh, he made a button for me that I wore on my apron that said. Um, uh, director of unclean entries. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I did the ribs and the pork butt and he did the chicken and brisket and, and we, we did pretty well. I think we finished, I don't know, eighth or ninth. So it wasn't terrible. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, we got, um, I get a lot of texts during the show. So I'm going to bring us all up to, uh, bring everybody up to get caught up on that one. We're going to open, uh, Rocco, let's open up the phone lines. In uh, just a few minutes, we'll start taking some calls. So if you have a question for Dwayne, or if you have any stories that involve Dwayne and um, knuckleheads, that I'll, we'll entertain those as well. So on the text line, so on my personal text line, Jasper, you know how I'm terrible with names. Jasper knows everybody and everything. Yeah, that's true. So the, 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 the soda place is called KC Soda Pop. Okay. And then the the, fount, the ice cream place right next door is called Fountain City Scoops and Floats. Okay. And there's a hole in the wall between them. Okay. So you can order your root beer float on either side. Oh, wow. Which is what I did. You could be able to do that one. And then uh, somebody told you, said to uh, tell Dwayne to try Virgil's root beer 
all the legit ingredients. Okay. So I'm sure that's one of the 160 they have down there at the soda pop. Virgil's. I'll have to yeah. make a note of that. That's and a, then yeah, somebody else you. pointed out absolute truth is Jasper is one of those people that's always on the floor at the restaurant. Yes, this is they true. Have, they yeah. have a rule that they call the, always a Jasper in the house. Yeah, the myth, the yep. Mirabli in the house. Yes. Yeah, well, it's not a myth because they actually do that. No, but that's what they yeah. call it, the oh, myth, yeah. the oh, Mirabli okay. in okay, the house. Yeah, M-I-T-H. So yeah. And then somebody told me, ask you if, if you remember Have a Snack on Van Brunt. Yes, yes. I, I, that Boy, I, that's been a memory jogger, yes. What was special about that? Why would you remember that? Well, it was a place that we went when I was a kid. I, my, my dad used to take us. Yeah. Okay. Then somebody else, uh, Richard Lund. Okay. So recognized your voice. And, oh, yeah. And asked you about the candy stripe on 23rd Street across from Hill Park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what's that? <laughs> Hi, Richard. <laughs> Haven't heard from you in a while. All right, so now you know uh, the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, of course, I grew up in that area because that's that's Van Horn District there, where that strip along 23rd yeah. Street. And, and the candy stripe was there, and there there was Clems. Clems was great. It was a for kind of a prank that we did for... Uh, uh, entries to some of our uh, uh, our clubs in high school is that you had to go to Clem's and eat a brain sandwich. That was- oh, <laughs> all right, yeah. Fred Broski had a story I think about them that we did decide not to tell on the air, but he went on a first date and he tricked them into eating a brain sandwich. Oh my god! He never got a second date with that no, woman. I, by I the bet, way, I would bet not. Yeah, yeah. but uh, so I wouldn't tell that one. All right, if um, uh, listeners out there, if you have a random question about an old restaurant or a story about Dwayne, go ahead and call in. The phone number is 913-586-7798. Rocco's amazing, but be patient because we have multiple phone lines coming in and only one Rocco. So if you all want to time it and you all call in in about five seconds, that'd be kind of cool. I want to see how he handles that. (laughs) So we'll be able to do that. If you love food and want to become a part of the process, be sure to follow Best Regards Bakery and Cafe. The number one way is to sign up for her email newsletter. Go to makethemsmile.com. That's my website. I have a lot of photos of things that we do. And in the top left-hand corner, there's an email newsletter. That's kind of entertaining. Gives you up to date on what goes on with the radio show and what we have new going on at the bakery. Number two is to follow us on Facebook. I have about 15,000 followers on Facebook, and it's a great two-way conversation I have there. About a month ago, I put a call out saying, hey, I've got a glut of garden tomatoes. What would you like to see? And we got almost 1,000 responses. And so that's where we came up with our tomato festival. We came up with several new products just because people suggested it. And just um, I think a Friday morning, I posted a new question because the, the tomato pie was such a huge success. We're going to continue making galettes of some kind. So we're looking for ideas on that one. So the other heads up is that we're coming up to the end of our tomato festival. I think a lot of us are ready to move on to the next thing. So as that winds down, you want to make sure you come in and get those. And that today is the last day to get a free locally grown tomato with any BLT or turkey club. We've been doing that since Wednesday and have handed out a lot of tomatoes. So I buy those locally from a farmer and we get to support them. And then also our black and salmon BLT has been a huge hit for some reason this week more than usual. It's really popular, but what makes that special is that, you know how a lot of times you get blackened salmon and it's really salty? We make our own black or seasoning mix. So you get all the flavor without uh, too much salt. Man, I, that sounds wonderful. Oh, it, it is. And um, yeah, you know, but a lot of listeners out there don't know the primary seasoning that's on those, and it's paprika, You're right, right. Is, is really what makes that. Yeah. 
but so many restaurants that, and, and you know, but the reason why people use, restaurants use so much salt is because it's the cheapest season that they can use. Yeah. You buy inferior meat, seafood, whatever it is, you add extra salt and it overwhelms and you don't notice how bland the, the protein is. Yeah, well, you, you bring that up and that's true. It's one of the things I said about barbecue. People said, uh, you know, uh, uh, I make my own barbecue sauce mm-hmm. and, and uh, people say, oh, you know, um, sauce is what makes the barbecue. No, 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 no. no, no it's no, the no. rub. Yeah, no, it's you. It's it's the meat in the rub and you you got to do that right first. Yep. You know, that's one thing. That's the one thing Texas does right. Their Texas style yeah. brisket. You know, I mean, it's just um, they don't put sauce. They don't do other spices. It's just basically, uh, you know, um, uh, a rough grind, yeah. restaurant grind on the black pepper and just enough salt to, to, to enhance the flavors. Exactly. So that's, yeah. a big, that's a big deal. And then lastly, don't forget that Best Regards is your number one bakery for sweet treats. The current top three most popular right now is Carrie's Lemon Bars. I think you got one of those to take to your uh, yeah, wife. Yeah, my, 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 wife, my wife is a lemon bar fiend. All right, so, <laughs> well, you just outed yourself, so now you can't eat that before no, you go no, home. I can't, no, I, I've got I've to give that one to her. <laughs> yeah, then the cranberry orange cookie, and then also we made up some cherry galettes as a uh, test today. Nice. Try, um, the pie crust we do is, uh, I absolutely love it because it's flaky. It's got the right amount of flavor. It can be able to do that. All right, so um, let's go ahead and go to Joe on line one. i, I got to go. Hello. Yeah, Joe. Hey. Yeah, what you have for us? Well, uh, since Rocco was, uh, I'm an old Van Horner too. Um, there was a restaurant on 40 Highway. It was there for probably 40 years at least. It was called Frankie's Driftwood Barbecue. Oh yeah. And uh, they sold everything from barbecue to Italian food. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a was, wide menu. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a it was a great restaurant. Italian man owned it, and uh, they'd serve their baked beans in in a little. Uh, kettle, right? Like a magical kettle, but uh, you know they had lasagna, spaghetti that was real reasonable, and uh, and then they had the great barbecue. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that place. Thank you for the memory. That's uh, yeah, that's the place I used to go to when I was a kid. That was wonderful. Yeah, nobody had brought that up yet. No, yeah. I, I, I've never heard of that. Yeah, no, it was it was really good. It's been gone for a long time, but but yeah, uh, uh, and and yeah, what a what a menu. You know, you could get just about anything there. Yeah, we uh, there was a fellow Vic Young and I. We, we used to we wouldn't really sneak out, but we'd go down there about ten o'clock at night, and you know we're talking about being fourteen, fifteen years old, <laughs> and uh, uh, it was a lot of good characters there. But it was really a great food and, and inexpensive. Yeah. Yeah, very reasonable. Uh, it was a place that my parents liked to go because it was inexpensive. <laughs> what class were you in? Uh, I, I wasn't until 77, so, uh, yeah. yeah. you're two years younger than us. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, they had a fire, like so many barbecue joints do. Yep. And, uh, and then that was it. But uh, there should be a lot of people that would remember that place. I would think so. Yeah, you're right. That was, uh, that was a pretty popular place, too. Yeah, well, thanks. Well, well um, thank you, Joe. Yeah. Well, thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Now, what's interesting, now we'll probably get some calls about that over the next few weeks because it's really interesting how many – you think these memories are gone forever. Yes. Like you and I could have talked for hours. You never would have brought that up. No, you're right. I wouldn't have because I hadn't thought about it in years. Yeah, but he triggered that memory, and probably sometime today or tomorrow you're going to have a specific memory of something your dad did. In fact, I can can taste it right now. (laughs) It's really funny. (laughs) So you couldn't even remember their name before Joe called, but now you remember what it tasted like. You probably remember what it looked like. Yeah. 
you probably remember your dad's favorite booth when you went yeah, to go yep, eat there. Yep. That, that's 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 the most surprising and I think most amazing thing about our show. Well, you're right. It, it really dredge, dredges up things that you hadn't thought about in years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and it's like a free gift, you it know, is. when somebody no dredges doubt. these up over here. No doubt. And um, so somebody just asked me who in the world the guest is, that voice. It's Dwayne Doherty. And how would you, in a quick, how would people have known you in Kansas City? Well, um, in Kansas City, I mean, I traveled a lot in work early in my life, so people in Kansas City wouldn't know the work that I did prior. But uh, probably most recently, uh, most people would probably know me from having done barbecue catering and probably a lot of them from Knuckleheads. I did uh, several concerts at Knuckleheads over the years and uh, also uh, had the privilege of uh, catering the green room for some of the uh, artists that were at Knuckleheads. Over Who'd the you meet? Time. Oh, my gosh. So many people. Um, I have an apron autographed by Merle Haggard. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, he was uh, very quiet. I mostly spoke with his road manager, but... Uh, his road manager came up to me as as the concert ended and said, we'd like to buy some barbecue sandwiches for the guys, for the road crew, because we haven't eaten. And I said, well, just here, just, I gave him a, a pan of, of pulled pork and some buns and chips and some sauce. And I said, just take it. And he said, you, you don't want any money for it? And I said, I just saw a Merle Haggard concert and got paid for it. What do you mean I want money for it? No. And he, and he, uh, he came back and he says, uh, Mr. Haggard would like to meet you. I said, okay. And uh, so I went up to the corner of his bus, and uh, he had one of the buses that had a door in the front corner, and he opened it up, and he comes down the stairs, and he says, um, I like to take care of people who take care of the working men. And uh, he says, you got anything you want autographed? Well, I'm wearing this apron. I thought, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he autographed the apron. Uh, I met... Uh, well, that says a lot about Merle Haggard. Oh, yeah. He was a heck of a guy, man. Um, I met Keb Moe, one of the sweetest people I will ever meet. Um, I, I walked up to him, and he and his manager were there, and, and uh, he says, what can I do for you? And I said, no, I'm supposed to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> Real sweet guy. Um, and he, he said, call me Kevin. I'm Keb Moe on stage. I'm Kevin back here. And uh, um, got to know actually pretty well uh, a couple of different people. Raul Malo of the Mavericks, great guy, met his family, met his son. His mom and dad um, got to know um, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Leon Russell. Got to know okay. him really well. Met him. I, I, I fed him like three, four times, but well, four times, I think, yeah. And uh, every time I would go back to clean up at, after the show, he'd be sitting back in the green room and he'd say, sit down, let's talk. Oh, <laughs> oh and, man. And, man, he has some great stories. His, I, I, I could go on for an hour by myself just telling stories that uh, Leon Russell told me. He was a fabulous guy. Uh, got to know him pretty well. James McMurtry is a great artist. Uh, I don't know. A lot of people don't know him, but his dad, uh, Larry McMurtry, wrote uh, the books uh, uh, Terms of Endearment and Lonesome Dove, and he uh, he is now a musical artist, has been for a while, and uh, he was great. He, he had, was wearing this white hat and uh, kind of a fedora, and uh, he came up asked me how much for a barbecue sandwich. I said, I don't charge the artists. And uh, he said, oh, okay, thank you. And he had me make him a barbecue sandwich. And he said, uh, you know, I Mickey Dolan's of the Monkees gave me some great advice once. And I said, what's that? He said, you take your hat and you put Vaseline behind the hat band and your sweat on stage doesn't stain your hat. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I, I met Delbert McClinton, and I asked him the uh, people always ask, uh, you know, if if he taught uh, John Lennon the harmonica because some people think he did. And he said, no, John Lennon was a pretty good harmonica player. He said, but I did teach him a few riffs one time. We were sitting in a hotel room, and I was on tour with uh, Little Richard. We were in, in England, and the Beatles opened for us. And he said, uh, I taught him a few riffs on the harmonica, and he said, I was driving my Thunderbird through uh, Texas one day <clears throat> about 1964, 65. He said, I hear this harmonica riff that I had taught John Lennon. No. And he said it was the opening of Love Me Do. Holy <clears throat> smokes. And he said, he said, no, I didn't get any credit for it, but he said, you know, just driving down the road, hearing your riff oh, yeah. on the radio was worth it. <laughs> See, those little little odd tidbits, I love that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I got to meet, and I, I got to know Sam and Fish and, and her uh, dad, Bill, and her sister Amanda pretty well, and so uh, you know a lot of a lot of local artists as well. So it, it it was it's just a great experience. And and Frank Hicks and Mary Hicks who who own Knuckleheads are just, are dear friends, and they're some of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. And and you wouldn't know that to, if you knew Frank because he's 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 the uh, lovable curmudgeon. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I I love those people to death. They're well, they're great yeah, people. This show is 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 almost a personal indulgence for me. So I get to meet local famous people that I've listened to for. 20, 30 years. Oh, and, yeah. You know, it's just, I met Mike Murphy a few times. And I know if he were still around, he he was an introvert. He didn't like groups yeah. or anything like that. But I have no doubt he would have done my show. Yeah, he probably would have because yeah. he was just Because that he loves guy. Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, he just loved Kansas City. Meeting Toby Tobin here as we were coming into the oh, studio, yeah. it's, what, a, what an honor, man. Oh, I've been he's listening the same to way. Toby Tobin yep. since I was a kid, you know? Oh, yeah. You so. know, and it's just when you meet the legends, it's just so interesting to see how kind they are to the people and personable and yeah. you get to hear some of the backstories. Absolutely. And I had, um, so musicians, I had Ian Byrne on. Oh yeah. Um, gosh, I don't know, two, three months ago. And he was so incredibly interesting. He's a neat guy. And I had no idea, you know, that, you know, how popular they were worldwide. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, in fact, I've seen concerts on YouTube from them playing in, you know, Ireland and I mean, all over the place. Yeah. You know, and they could easily be the headline band at the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Chicago, New York. Sure. Those places, but he, they have no interest. They stay here in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he'll walk the sidelines and the streets and at the, at the Kansas yeah, City Parade. Yeah, you know, losing Steve was tough for them, but that was, uh, but they're, they're just such a fun band. Yeah. So, I mean, he's interesting. So it's just, um, I want to have him back on a little bit later and, um, Somebody I'm trying to get, I haven't got through to you yet, is um from the Rainmakers. Uh-huh. Bob Walking Horse. I haven't. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've, I've sent him email messages, but he hasn't returned any of them yet. Well, I'll call Bob and talk to him. I think it would be a blast to just have him on here. And You know, we were Bob was going to do a, a backyard concert for me, um, and then COVID hit. And okay. so we had to cancel it. But, uh, yeah, we were going to do a backyard concert at my house. Well, he did one for um, my best friends. Uh, she had Janelle's birthday. Okay, cool. And yeah. so we did a back, yeah. backyard concert. And um, I think one of the last times I've been to um, do Knuckleheads was mm -hmm. for the Rainmakers. Okay. We saw them there. Yeah, I, I run into him from time to time up at the uh, Westlake uh, Hardware Store in Westport. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. I, uh, okay, time, that's too time funny. Time I, bumped in, I bump into Bob. See, that's what I love about this show is how many dots get connected. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just, um, it's just, it's fascinating to me. But, you know, some of those people, and we'll talk after the show, yeah. you know, about some of the other people that kind of fit in that we all love hearing the stories and things sure. like that. Sure. Do you meet anybody else on Knuckleheads? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think all the... All the people I've met, um, yeah, I, uh, 
I met Los Lobos. Uh, David Hidalgo of okay. Los Lobos was really sweet guy. Uh, uh, Amelia Esteban and and I'm trying to think who all else. I've, I'm, I yeah. I, I gosh. Um, you know it's going to hit you in about twenty minutes. Yeah, I know, right? It's like it's going to flood over me. Yeah. But but yeah, I, 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 th- that was the thing. I did a lot of concerts there, and and uh, every time I did a concert there, pretty much uh, the musicians would would come and ask for barbecue, and I would always you know give it to them. Um, and then I met a lot of people in the audience too. Um, um, one of my favorites, who used to come all the time, and God rest his soul, he's passed on. Is is Mike McGraw, who was the investigative reporter for the Kansas City Star, okay. and he's the one who broke the story about the the firefighters who died in the yep. explosion and all yep. that. And uh, he's you know Pulitzer Prize winning uh, uh, investigative reporter, and he used he used to come and hang out at the tent, and and uh, we'd visit. And he was a fascinating guy to talk to. I just loved him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of local uh, television personalities would come in and radio personalities. I One time at Knuckleheads, I did the 40th birthday party for KY-102. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, and so I, I met there's some characters all, of, there. all of the old KY-102 jocks. Uh, Randy Rayleigh, who has become a really good friend. And, hey, is Skid Brody still around? Oh, yeah, yeah. I want him on my show. Okay. I'm thinking yeah. back to when I first came, when I was younger in Kansas City, some of those KY-102 yeah. morning jocks. Actually, I, actually, I had... Skid and Randy, uh, I've got a picture of the, the three of us together. Uh, Skid took basically took over Randy's show when Randy went to Casey in St. Louis. Okay. And Skid wound up taking over his Randy's show. And I'd uh, love to have both of them, but I don't know if it'd be a good idea to have them both at the same time. Oh, I'd, they'd, they'd do it. They love each other. Well, no, I know they would. I just don't know if it'd be good for the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, they would take it over. I can tell yeah, well, you that. I'm okay with that. It's just I don't want to yeah. break any FCC rules if the two of them are feeding no. off each other. Yeah, no, the, 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 that could happen. But uh, uh, I met, of course, all of the jocks there, uh, Katie McGuckin and Max yeah. Floyd. and, and uh, Well, you know, that I think about it, if they do cross that line, I'm not the one to get in trouble. It'll be Rocco. So. Yeah, I'm I not think, digging that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. blame Rocco. <laughs> yeah. Per so usual. All right, so on the text line, somebody said to ask you, did you ever meet the sauce boss? The sauce boss. Any idea what that means? I'm trying who, to. Who the sauce boss is? All right, so I'll put a no on that one. So, okay. Uh, I, I might I might have, but I don't, I'm not placing that that term right now. Okay, all right. So um, the texture, um, uh, text in clarification. Last four numbers two seven one one on your phone number. So text in a follow up on that so we so we can trigger that memory. Then there's also a barbecue joint that's in, built into the side of a cliff. Hmm. Um, it's where then he's also asking about south and north on 24 highway where the, for the big crypt chip is now. I have no idea what that is. Either. Yeah. I, I, I know where that is. I'm not that familiar with oh, it. I just mentioned LaSalle's. Oh, LaSalle's. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. So, um, LaSalle's down on fifth. It was, uh, later became a restaurant called the North End. And but LaSalle's oh, was that's where it was. Okay. Yeah, it was a grocery store originally. It was right. just a little local grocery store. And and talk about Frank and Mary Hicks, they lived two blocks from there. So uh yeah, I, I uh you know who owned knuckleheads. Um I used to go to LaSalle's all the time when I was younger. They had what they called a rich boy sandwich. You know, you've all heard of a po' boy. They they had a rich boy sandwich and it was a uh it was an entire loaf of Italian bread. I mean a you know, big you know, 24 inch or whatever loaf of Italian bread split that was piled with meat and cheese and toppings. 
so it was like about three inches thick of toppings and meats and cheeses, and and they sell you this whole sandwich, and I mean it would feed an army, and we used to love to go in there. I guys I worked with and I we, we would go in there and we'd get one of those sandwiches and we'd carve that thing up and we'd eat on it for two days. <laughs> I loved Lasalle's man. That was that was, that place was awesome. And you didn't even mention them a while ago. Yeah, when you were talking about the. Yeah, I did. Restaurant. Isn't that yeah. funny? That is funny. It's yeah. Oh, I, yeah. That was a great place. You know, the North End was a good restaurant while it lasted too. Yeah, but, but I enjoyed uh, that. And, and what was funny is the North End actually kept the Rich Boy on the menu. Okay. Okay, so um, our listener texted me the Sauce Boss was the blues guy that would make a pot of gumbo while he performed. Oh, I did not meet him, but yes, I know okay. who they're talking about. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So cool. he was at Knuckleheads a yeah. lot. Yeah, he was down in yeah. 2018. Yeah, so exactly. He used to he used to be down there quite a bit, but yeah, I did not meet him, but uh, but I I heard lots of stories. He made a pot of gumbo while doing the yeah, show. Yeah, while doing the show. Yes. All right. How cool is that? Right. Oh, that's funny. All right. So, um, you know, the, the, a lot of great restaurants. You know, the North End. You've got um, some of the delis that you talked about over there. And what do you think? I mean, obviously, the price of meats is big as a huge difference. Is why we'll never see those again. Right. I mean, you just can't make. People say, "How come you can't get um, a pastrami sandwich like you used to be able to get for four dollars?" <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I tried to explain something. Well, yes, all right. Well, pastrami. Well, when you've got eight dollars worth of meat on it. It's, it's hard well, to do. Well, that. I mean, it, well, it's a lot more. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, nowadays that sandwich. If you built the sandwich the exact same way they did then, yeah. with a, almost a pound. I mean, it's a thirty dollars sandwich. We, yeah, it absolutely would be. You know, that people don't understand that the metrics involved with brisket. So you got a brisket, you're paying whatever, four or five dollars a pound, right. maybe maybe a little bit more. You're gonna trim off a third of it. Right. You season it, you smoke it, you're gonna lose half of that right. when it cooks off. That's right. You know, then I don't think people understand that too, and and you know this from cooking is yeah. is how much loss there is yeah. between the raw meat and the finished product. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and you gotta factor that in. You Absolutely, know, yeah, you know, yeah. You you don't you go broke. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, every once in a while you'll see a, a barbecue place that will cook a whole brisket and don't trim anything off. Right. Yeah. Well, you know? then that's not good either. No, it's not because you know because literally half your half your sandwich is fat. Exactly. And you know, a, bris- a brisket is a you know big blob of fat. You know, there's with meat in it. <laughs> oh, and then somebody said to remind you that the bread from La Salas came from the um, down on Fifth S and A Bakery. S and A Bakery. That's right. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, was, I've I've never heard of them either. Yeah, that that was a little uh, a neat little Italian bakery down there on the fifth. Yeah, yeah, I was just talking to Jasper earlier this week. We talked for a couple hours about different places, and uh-huh. and it's um some of the old bakeries. Yeah, you know the Roma Bakery. You know, it's a big. You know, it's big it's business. a commercial. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a big yeah. business now. But I'd loved it. Talk to somebody from that in the early days. Oh yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Well, they got that place up there on uh, Shoto now that, uh, and they have a you know little uh, uh, store in there that you can go. Yeah. In, it, which is kind of neat, but but yeah, they they were uh, just a little mom and pop bakery originally. Yeah. yeah, I mean the the homemade bread they used to make just isn't commercially feasible at the scale they got to do. So no. they got to make some compromises. But for them, as long as they can make fewer compromises than the big conglomerate bakeries, you know that that's a huge well. I still plus. buy their stuff. I, yeah. I I like their stuff, and I I like to support a local business. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I still buy as their long stuff. as you're doing like that. So that's real good. Um, so like knuckleheads, at, has that changed owners like all the time or has it been pretty no, consistent? It's a, uh, Frank and Mary Hicks started it. It started out originally, um, Frank had a, uh, body shop. Okay. And it was across the street. It's now called knuckleheads garage. 
uh, it's a separate venue across the street now, but it started out as a body shop uh, doing body work on over-the-road trucks on you know eighteen wheelers and stuff like that. And then across the street in the in what is the primary knuckleheads venue right now was a flop house for the uh, railroad, and he bought it for next to nothing from the railroad because it had been abandoned. It yeah. was just full of homeless people. And, yeah, I mean, know, it's not exactly prime real estate. No, exactly. It was a, it was a mess, and he bought it for next to nothing and, and fixed it up to do motorcycle repair. And um, uh, it was called uh, FOG Motorcycle Repor- Repair, and, and FOG was an acronym for fat old guy. <laughs> and um, he, he did Harley repairs there, and he started out, in the music business, basically having local musicians who came in, sat in, and and um, played music for the guys waiting on their motorcycles to get fixed, and and he thought, well, you know, I might as well get a liquor license and serve them beer too, you know, and yeah. So one thing led to another, led to another, and and ultimately the whole um, truck and motorcycle repair business has been turned into music yeah. venue now. So. Yeah, that's kind of how that whole thing started, and it's and Frank and Mary Hicks have owned it from the beginning. Okay, and well, I'd, I'd love to do a show just on them. Oh yeah, what they've done. Yeah, and it's it's been fascinating. I I talked about James McMurtry earlier. Uh, some people came up for his concert from Memphis, and uh, young kids who were big fans of his, and um, he has a little a little stage inside. And when there's nobody playing that stage inside, he has some instruments there, and he encourages people to stay after the show and play. Just mess around, yeah. And so this band from Memphis came in, and they were, oh, "Can we do?" And he says, "Yeah, you knock yourself out." So they went in there, and I'm sitting. He Frank has a table. It's a round table right off the uh, the east edge of the bar there in the main building, and that's Frank's table. And um, so I got done, and he had me come in. And he bought me a beer, and we sat there, and we're sitting sitting there, and we're w- watching this little band from Memphis play. And it's about one in the morning. And McMurtry comes in, and he sits down at the table with us, has a beer with us. And um, these kids are like, oh, my gosh, that's James McMurtry. They come over and talk to him and says, can we have your autograph? He says, no. (laughs) And he said, let me get my guitar. He came in and he jammed with him for about a half an hour. And and Frank slaps me on the leg. He says, I've got the best job on the planet. (laughs) I mean, that's that's some of these people that are like that. And that's I love hearing those stories that that these superstars. Yeah. You know, the rock stars of any industry, you know, that that are just kind people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's so many of them out there. I've got to give a shout out to one of them right now. My little buddy, Selena Teo, who is uh, having a birthday today. Oh, is she really? Yeah. Today's well, that's birthday. awesome. I, yeah. I want to talk to her sometime, too. She's fun. Yeah, she's she's so got sick. a great background, oh, national yeah. scene, but she's happy just being here in Kansas City. Yeah, she's just wonderful. Um, when she had the restaurant Julian in um, um, Brookside, um, she would have Sunday suppers, and she would invite just local food people to come in and, and cook. And she, I was the first person she asked. And uh, I did a barbecue brisket. And I remember that. Yeah. And we did a, a brisket dinner there. It was on a Sunday and like a prefix thing, you know, and a uh, uh, little tiny kitchen there. And, you know, I'm a big guy. Her chef was a big guy. And the two of us were like, uh, you know, we, you got very like close. We, we were dancing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, she was, it was wonderful. It was an incredible experience. You know, we have some amazing people in this town in the food scene and outside and 
it's I think what my listeners love because I hear because they come into the bakery and tell us or send me emails things like that. We're just hearing these background stories that kind of show that these people have lives and part of what makes them interesting. Now, have you do you remember um, Topeka's place called Bobo's Drive In? Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. knows that. Yeah, yeah. And my wife found a story that um, on Facebook that some people were sharing stories that. The Bobo's Drive-In, Bobo, the original one, um, wrote music. Wow. And so he did, it was like, um, what was the uh, furniture store? Ed Marling's, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote the theme song for Ed Marling's that they ran commercials for years and years. How funny. He apparently left and went to New York and made money writing jingles. How about that? For a while before he came back. Yeah, I cool. mean that's that's that, that that's is a great cool. story. Yeah, I, I mean I love that. that. So I, I want I gotta look that up and see if I can get some more information yeah. on that. And but but yeah, you and you talk about that. I mean, and, and you know Jasper. Uh, yeah. You know, I remember going in a rainy night one night several years ago, and and uh, the r- restaurant was unusually quiet because it's usually not. <laughs> and uh, Jasper brought out what he calls the Bible, which is this, oh gosh, that's the. the Three ring binder. I didn't know they made three ring binders that big. Yeah, and and it's all of his dad's old recipes and oh, stuff. Yeah. And what I loved about it, and Jasper can tell you the story better than I can, but is that uh, his dad would write. He would go. He would travel, and he maybe go to New York or Los or, or to uh, New Orleans or whatever. And and he would travel, and he'd find a recipe, and he'd take it, and oh, he, yeah. write, he would write notes in the margin. And then he would go to Italy, and he would write notes in the margin. But when he was in Italy, he wrote the notes in. Italian. Yeah. When he was in the U.S., he wrote them in English. Well, he had, <laughs> so he has these little index books, yeah. you know, little things yeah. that um, they every time he went on a trip, he had different ones. Exactly. Yeah. God, yeah. that was an incredible experience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, I, Jasper is the epitome of what makes Kansas City so absolutely amazing. Oh, no, I agree with that. I mean, he's always out there promoting everybody. All right. So, okay, um, for everybody out there, be sure to come by and see us at Best Regards Bakery and Cafe. We're at 119th Street and Glenwood in Overland Park, which is about two blocks east of Metcalf. We're across from the Cheesecake Factory next door to Johnny's. We're open every Saturday from 8 o'clock to 2 o'clock, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, but don't forget the kitchen closes at 3. And even though this is our 30th year in business, we still strive to get better. And actually, as a result of the show, we now better understand what it takes to stand the test of time and to be remembered. Like a lot of the restaurants that we talk about here on the show, Sherry and I are always there at the bakery to visit with you and also hear your stories and ideas for future shows. Lastly, don't forget that this and all of our past shows are available worldwide on all podcast platforms. Just search for Kansas City Food Memories. Now listen to in over 21 countries. And thank you, Dwayne. I appreciate you being here. I, that was a very fast hour. <laughs> yes, I, th- it was. I, I am going to have to have you back another time. All the listeners, thank you for listening, and thank you, Rocco. This concludes this broadcast of Kansas City Food Memories.